Hey everyone, this is Stefan Miller and welcome to The Forever Student. Thank you so much for making the time to be here today. The show is all about providing you with the right tools and steps that will help you become the best you. And we do that by bringing on experts in specific fields. And today, we've got a very special guest. He's a man I've known for a few years and have a tremendous amount of respect for. He's a business owner, adventure seeker, endurance athlete, and cancer survivor. And we are looking to talk about all of these subjects and more today. Tom Otten, welcome to The Forever Student. Thank you very much for inviting me on. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. And episode one, it's such a pleasure yeah, uh, to have you on. I feel very privileged. Thank you very much. Um, so, I mean, before we really get into what all the different subjects I have for you today, could you just tell <laughs> us a, a list? Bit? I've seen the there list. There is a there's, list. There's, there's uh, a few we things do there. want to cover quite a bit of ground. <laughs> um, could you tell us a bit more about yourself, just especially for the listeners? Um, cool, yeah. Uh, I've been here for about 13 years in Dubai. I grew up kind of bouncing around the Middle East a little bit, uh, originally from, from Wales in the UK. I came over here um, a, after university. I went to university in South Africa in Cape Town. I moved over here after that. Um, not 100% sure about what I wanted to do, but kind of had an idea about around business. Uh, I was working in the fitness space for a while, uh, um, worked a few marketing roles. That was kind of the space I was, I was getting into. And then around about uh, nine years ago now, a little over nine years ago, I... Um, I set up Create Media Group. Create Media Group is a full-service digital agency, um, and that's something that I've been building now for for the last nine years in terms of, yeah, just the you know the work that needs to go into into doing something like that. Um, I was fortunate to to be working with an incredible team and, and spend some time trying to learn a few things along the way, around uh, around empathy, around working with people, around getting the most out of myself, getting the most out of my team, um, and also just finding different ways to challenge myself, both in the in the business space, uh, in the personal space, and, and yeah, and then you know, that's how we've come across. We've crossed paths a few times in a few different ways, and you know, we were very lucky to have you on uh, on our podcast uh, just just not so long ago. So, yeah, top line, that's that's me. Yeah, and and coming on your podcast was a pleasure, and I think that's mm. actually one of the reasons that that's one of the moments that I became comfortable behind the mic and yeah. kind of a, a, a great a, job. A switch went <laughs> off, and and I was like, I should give this a shot as well. Um, First, I, I really want to talk about the adventure-seeking part of okay. you and within okay. you. Yeah. Um, I, th I think it plays a very big role in your life. Mm. And, you know, I've been following your journey for a while now. And you're, you are an endurance athlete. And I think you've, you've come across so many different challenges. Um, Marathon de Sable is probably one of the biggest ones. So could you take us kind of through how you got into that? Sure. Uh, and then the lessons that it's really taught you. Yeah, that's that's a big question. Mm. Um, but uh, I take it back to the beginning. You know, you, you mentioned before about you know, why do I go into this space, and you know, why would somebody want to put themselves through um, through ultras, and what do you get out of it? And and to to people that haven't necessarily dabbled in that space in terms of extreme sports, it might just seem or a little bit too much, or a little bit too crazy, and not necessarily understand. The, some of the more practical reasons behind why somebody would want to go and do something like that. Um, as, as you mentioned earlier, I, I was I was diagnosed with cancer quite a few years ago, not long after I I came here. Um, I was fortunate to it was operable, had an operation, um, moved past that fairly swiftly in com, in comparison to um, unfortunately many that have to deal with that. It was something that that um, that got me thinking a lot for a short period of time, if I'm honest with you, and then I tried to just block it out like it never really happened. 
and I spent uh, quite a few years. And I think I look back on it now, and it's something I've actually—it's funny because I, you know I, I know I was going to bring this question up again when you sent me through the list, and it was something that I sat down and thought about in more detail around. Okay, well, after I kind of came through that period, I hadn't got into kind of extreme sports at, at that time, but the mindset of doing kind of whatever I wanted to within reason in terms of like, if I wanted to go out, I was going out. I just, I kind of, um, I, I tried to squeeze as much as I possibly could out of life. Now, what that means then and what it means now is two very different things. I was going out a lot. I'd party a lot. Um, and I was building a business, but not spending as much time as I should have been on it. Um, I was just kind of enjoying life to the absolute maximum, every opportunity. As I started to mature through my late 20s, I started to um, see things change with the business. I started to take a little bit more ownership of my life in terms of where I wanted to go. Um, the opportunities that I had in front of me, if I was willing to work hard for it, started to become a little bit more apparent with um, with things with, with, with the business as it started to grow. And uh, I was playing a lot of rugby at the time. So I played for the uh, Dubai Dragons here. I then um, just to be honest, through, through work ethic, but not, not necessarily skill. Um, I managed to get into the UAE team, so I was playing for the National um, national Sevens team here. And then I snapped my leg. Uh, I, I broke my knee in um, uh, multiple places, had uh, reconstructive surgery on it. And part of the rehab, you know, to give a bit of context, I'd be, I was training rugby five days a week, club and for um, the international stuff. Um, in the build-up to tournaments. So it was it was everything that I had. That was kind of my identity. There was, there was work and there was rugby training. That's pretty much what I did. And then kind of the partying that goes on around the around the rugby club. But moving past that, I was then in a split second, not playing rugby for 12 months. Minimum, bare minimum, 12, like 12 months. I'm like, but I do this every day. What am I supposed to do now? Like I'm sat at home, all my friends are training, they're doing their thing. And I'm like, eh. and it, I, it, I really felt it stripped away from me because now I wasn't spending all the, all the time that I had had been with my very, very close group of friends that we did everything together because we were all training in that sort of environment yeah, together. part of you. It was. So I, it was it was super difficult for a time. Um, I started to get into to running once my knee kind of got a little bit better. The first thing you can do is run in a straight line before you can start to, um, to you know, to move in, in other directions. Um, I enjoyed that. I started doing it in my own time and it kind of, it, it worked quite well with regards to, as, as things started to get a bit busier with work, I could fit in running whenever I wanted to rather than being dictated, right, on Wednesday night you've got to do this, Thursday night you've got to do this, you've got to play games on Friday. It's very, um, it directs all of your time and, and you don't have much movement there. With running, I could fit that in. So I started doing that and um, had a couple of conversations with with a few friends and, you know, Marcus is a good friend of mine from rugby. You know, we were sitting down and, and having a few chats about, you know, what could be next? You no know, things to do. Um, doing the marathon came up. It happened to be in about five weeks' time from when we had that coffee um, in Starbucks on Beach Road, and I was like, "I've never run over like ten kilometers." He's like, "Come on, like you can do this." So I was like, "Okay." Like, got my head into the game. I was like, "Right, five weeks. I'll do what I can training wise." And and I ran that marathon, and it went quite well. Um, I got the the time that I wanted to, and I was like, "Right, well, let's see." I really the the buzz of coming across the line. It just it blew my mind. Like that last three kilometers coming in, it was just, it felt like I was on clouds, couldn't feel my legs, couldn't feel most of my body. It was just, it was a very surreal experience. Was that kind of like a gateway into... Yeah, 100%. I was like, I was completely hooked and I still can feel, remember like that first marathon when I finished it. 
um, what that feeling was like. So I, I was like, right, I'm all, I'm all in on this. I was like, let's, you know, let's see how, how far can it go? And then I started to become, whereas I was obsessed with rugby before, I started to become obsessed with like, how far can I push myself in this space? Like, how far could I go? How much am I able to achieve? Um, how difficult a situation can I get myself into and still get myself back out of in terms of extreme sports and pushing my body to as far as I could possibly go? Um, and that then started to lend itself to you know, spending more time with work and that. And that's what I went into. And I went deep in those spaces, really started to work a lot more, um, smarter, but also harder. Uh, took a lot more ownership for all direction, all areas of my life, uh, really focused on those two areas. So um, taking ownership in both those spaces has really paid dividends and and uh, and got me to kind of where, where, where we sat here today, having a chat. So, And how do you, how do you know how far you can push your limits because like the marathon is one thing but yeah. then running 250 kilometers in a Sahara desert is a completely different story <laughs> right and then because for me it's very interesting to to then see that how far can you actually go and mm. have you as Tom ever kind of broken your limits as well so you're right no there's only one way to find out how far you can go right and you know, you know the answer to that is just to keep pushing until right something breaks to answer your question yes running marathon to Saab is, is is very different to running a marathon and, and it did scale up from that marathon quite considerably uh, i did a, an 80 kilometer across the welsh mountains was the first one and that was about uh, three months after that first marathon and then around about 10 months after that myself and marcus actually we went to we flew to the sahara we ran a marathon to Saab. anyone that's not aware of that um, it's a 250-kilometer self-supported race across the Sahara Desert, which means you carry all of your stuff on your back. The only thing they give you is water. Um, you've got 250 kilometers to do over the course of five days. So it works out like six marathons in five days. Um, I did that race for a second time a uh, year before last, but in Peru, across the, uh, the Ica Desert in Peru. Uh, same thing, 250K, self-supported, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think the culmination of all of that, because you know the goal has to keep getting bigger, right? Go back to your question: How do you know how far your limits are? Well, if you've done something and you just do it again, then you know you can do that. So the, it changes there. So my mentality with the second one was: Okay, how let's say how fast could I go? Um, once I knew I could do it, the culmination of that was the uh, the, um, the UTMB race that was uh, November December last year. That was a hundred and. 37 kilometers in one go. So a very, very different race to 250 over five days. This was one shot. You start, you don't stop till you finish. That was 42 hours of racing nonstop. Um, I was awake for 56 hours by the time I went to bed. Uh, it was over 8,000 meters of elevation. So that's equivalent of almost the height of Mount Everest over the course, um, over the, you know, the profile of that course over the... Uh, over the 42 hours. So that was a, just a whole different ballgame between hallucinations and talking, all sorts of things. Um, but to take it back, and I think one of the the, 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 the real lessons I take away from certainly that, that, first mar that first marathon de Saab, I was sat on a plane, charter flight out of Gatwick on the way to Morocco. Myself and Marcus are sat on this plane. I am completely undercooked. I feel like I've trained well, but zero experience when it comes to running an ultra. Everything you Google online about the MDS will tell you it's the toughest foot race on earth. You're running through the Sahara Desert. You sleep on the floor at night. Like it's, the, you don't shower for eight days. Uh, you think running six marathons in the sand, you don't shower. 
Imagine how dirty you are. Everything's chafing. It's, there's, there's, it's, it's very much a mental game. People see the numbers and they think a road. And they think I couldn't run 250K along the road. That's not even the game. The game is dealing with how disgustingly uncomfortable you get because you can't get clean and you're in the desert and there's no, there's no door. There's no, you don't go into something and close the door behind you. You're in the desert and you sleep on the floor. So when you stop, you stop on the floor, you sleep, you wake up, you get your stuff together and off you go for the next day and do the next leg. And that's the mental side to it, which is, uh, that's the game changer. Um, when I was sat on that plane flying into Morocco, I felt very, very out of my depth. And I, and I wrote, um, I think I mentioned to you briefly before, I took out a piece of paper and I wrote down a few of the things that, that um, I, I needed to make happen to be happy with myself. So for, obviously the first one was don't die. Um, <laughs> after that one, the, the, the key ones that stand out to me was um, make yourself proud in terms of don't, don't complain once. It's going to be horrendously difficult. And you prime yourself for this. You know you're going to a very, very difficult environment. So don't then start complaining about it when you get there. Like you've decided, I've decided to put myself into this. So what's the use of complaining about how hot it is, how uncomfortable I am? Like it's going to happen. So if you can, if you're going into a, and this is a, a real takeaway for listeners, if you if you're going into an environment that you know is going to be difficult, don't complain about it when you're there because a nobody cares about your complaints. B you just bring other people down, you bring yourself down, and you just you're not contributing to a positive culture. So if you get your headspace right before you go in and be like, right, it's going to be horrible. Most people are probably going to whinge and complain. I'm not going to engage with that. So you just remove that negativity before it even comes because you know it's going to come. And that's one of the, the real takeaways of, uh, of how ultra running and putting myself into these, some of these extreme situations has allowed me to kind of change my mindset a little bit about you know, difficult situations and how I, how I kind of prepare for those. And, 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 uh, and yeah, so like... Flying in, I, I made those notes, and the key one was was you know don't complain, um, and the and the third one was is to help other people to finish that race. Now, for me, I thought that was a very arrogant thing for me to say because I felt so out of depth on that plane. I looked around that plane; the only people on that plane were other people that were doing the race. We, you got like multiple Ironman tattoos up their legs, and like guys that you just look at them and you're like, should like these guys have done this stuff multiple times I was sat there, I was like freaking out a little bit. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing on this plane. I'm way out of my depth. What the hell am I doing here? And putting myself through that and then actually completing the race was, uh, that was a completely life-changing experience for me because I hadn't met anybody that had done the race before. I'd only read what I'd read through blogs, seen some videos. Um, so it had been built up and it is, it's chaotic. It's just mayhem over there. Um, so to get through that and that that kind of, that proving to yourself that you're actually capable of so much more than you believe um, is, is a real game changer. So putting myself through that allowed me to then think of the next one when I was doing 250, like, okay, cool, I know I can do that. So now what? Now what? why am I going? Okay, I was going with a friend that wanted to get into ultra, so okay, I'm running with him. But I also know that I could probably finish in the top X now because I know that I can do it. So it, it's incredible. It's like, you know, you, you expand your mindset by achieving one thing, and you're there. It, do, it doesn't shrink back. So if you continually keep creating these sort of high-level goals and pushing yourself, and that can be in any area of life, you keep pushing these goals bigger and bigger year on year, where do you end up in 10 years? You end up like a completely different human because what stressed you before does not stress you anymore. 
what is a real problem versus a perceived problem. Like your entire mindset shifts because you've continually been expanding your level of comfort in uncomfortable situations. So you take that back to business. What happens in, in the business space? Okay, like things are good and then things are bad and, and you work with that. So, but then when things are bad, are they really bad? Or can you just sit down and you can make a plan and, and you, you work it out? Um, so it's those experiences have really allowed me to sort of help with with running further and then also the uh, the business side of it. Yeah, and I think that firstly that's an incredible story and and really impressive performances. Um, I think that once you go through that and once you've pushed your limits so much, your problems or your perceived problems mm. um, in your daily life, which you might used to have. Yeah. Uh, before you went on this journey, you realize they're no longer there. Hundred percent, mate. And it's one of them, the the things I often say off the off the back of that, aligned with what you're saying here, is it's the it's the ability to realize what is a real problem and what is a perceived problem. And the thing is about going out to somewhere like the Sahara and look, the vast majority of people that listen to this podcast are not going to go and do that, but they can understand the takeaway from this that if you're if you're out in a desert with a backpack. Your entire goal is just to get across the finish line. Nothing else matters. The only thing that is a problem is the thing that stops you from running or things that stops you from completing. Everything else, the blister, it's not a problem. It's, it's just a perceived problem. If somebody having an issue, like whatever the problem, whatever that your bag might break, okay, these are not real problems. It's not going to stop you from finishing what you're there to do. They're challenges. They're just challenges, obstacles. exactly that. Yeah. They're just obstacles and challenges along the way. So, if you take that mindset back into, let's say, a business environment and, and you know, sitting in the office, there's a bunch of people in front of you and everyone's firing things. It's not necessarily the person that's just shouting the loudest. What you need to do as, a, as, as someone that's managing a, a large team of people is to listen to what everyone's got to say. And then you work out what is a real problem, what is a perceived problem. Now, a real problem in that context is what's going to bring the house down? Is, are any of these issues that anybody's talking to me about right now are they going to cause us to go out of business? Are we going to lose a client? It, like, those are real problems when, you, when it comes to trying to build a business. If it's just someone's a little bit upset with this or someone's unsure about that, you can very, very quickly start to make decisions because you know where the, your line is about perceived problem and real problem. And then it allows you to make much faster decisions because you know that if you don't get, let's say, the decision, let's say, let's say you, you decide to go with speed rather than thinking through every single situation because you have to move fast. Now, if you make the wrong call, and it's a perceived problem, but you make the wrong decision on that, it's okay. If it's a real problem, the one that brings the house down and you make the wrong decision there, then the house comes down. Then mm. you've got a much bigger problem. So the ability to, to realize what's a real and is perceived is, is, is something that that's helped no end when it comes to managing teams. And I think that's come through experience. Yes. Right? Because I think that what happens a lot of the time is that um, people who do make those decisions and they make them right have been through either hell um, or they've challenged themselves continuously, uh, set tough goals for themselves, failed, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And then finally got to a stage where they can make decisions like that. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I, based on what you're saying as well, what, what, what interests me a lot and and I think would be super beneficial for listeners is when you're talking about achieving these pretty outrageous physical goals. Mm. Um, obviously, the training that goes into it is, is incredible. 
how do you get committed? And by that, I mean, one, of course, you have your goal and, and yeah. you have your vision. How do you wake up at 5 a.m., 6 a.m. every day and go to training? How do you not skip that? How do you stay committed uh, to your goal? Sure. I think there's a, there's um, a couple of ways to answer this. One is the, let's say, the more traditional way that I'm sure many people have heard, which is understanding why you're doing this and then letting that pull you rather than you trying to push yourself. That should pull you out of bed, right? So if you've really sat down and worked out, why am I choosing to do X, Y, and Z? And these are the steps that I need to get to that final goal. So you've identified what your final goal is, but you've really understood why that is your final goal. Then the steps to get there should be a lot easier. Now, it's still difficult to get up at 5 a.m. every day. Nobody jumps out of bed, does a backflip, and says, I'm super stoked mm -hmm. to wake up today, every day. Yeah, it happens sometimes, but not every day. Sometimes you're literally peeling yourself off the sheets. You're like, all I want to do is sleep. But I've told myself that I'm doing I'm doing this. So you know, finding your why is something that a lot of people would have heard before. And I'm sure the, the, the people that will be listening to this. So to try and answer it a little bit differently as well is to, let's talk about ego for a second. Okay. Now ego, in terms of how many people perceive that word, it's negative, right? So when I say ego, people think negative. But there's ways of using ego because everyone's got one. You can't, you can't, like, yes, you can work on it. Yes, you can um, make sure it comes out to be used to your benefit and put away when it shouldn't be there, causing insecurities and, and, and all of these things. But in this context, you can use your ego to say, right, well, I've also said to people and committed to other people that I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. I've got, let's say, for in my case, I've got a coach. So my coach, I've got a full training program. I know there's multiple other people that see if I do this session or not. So then there's an ego thing to be like, I don't want to be that guy that said that I'm committing to all of this stuff and is now reneging on that because that's not who I am. I don't want to be that person. So you can use your ego to motivate you in those sort of instances um, that can actually be a very, very positive force because you want to be the person you want to be, right? And it's a decision, okay, I want to be, I want to have these character traits. That's who I want to be. But that doesn't just happen. You have to then choose it. So if, you, if you've put out to the world that this is me, this is what I'm about, this is, I'm committed, I'm dedicated, all of these things, that's also your ego speaking. Although it's a, it's a positive, what we're saying here, that is your ego. So it's leveraging that to say, right, well, if I am all of these things, I, I, I have to get out of bed now. I have to get out of bed at five. Back it up. And I have to back it up. So it's, it's thinking about, okay, how could you... How could you leverage that to actually for a positive outcome? Yeah, that's a good one. One that helped me a lot was when I was training for the marathon last year. Mm. Um, was whenever I woke up Saturday morning, 6 a.m. to run a 30K or whatever it might be, was if I don't run mm. today, I'm not going to get the time that I wanted or I'm yeah. not going to finish the marathon. Yeah, uh, It was kind of the long-term vision that, okay, now four weeks down the line, I know how important this run is today. Yeah. Um, and that kind of brings me to setting goals. Yeah. Because if I didn't have that goal or if I didn't register for that race, yeah, I don't think I would have gotten up that morning because I, there was no real purpose behind, there was no why. Yeah, it's right? very difficult to get out of five, I, five, get up at 5 a.m. and go for a long run when it's horrifically humid outside and it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a fairly miserable two or three hours if you don't, there's no reason for you to do it. Yeah. So that's why you have to set these goals and, and continually be expanding on those challenges so that 
you do have that motivation. You've got to understand why you want to do that challenge. Why do you want that specific time? Why, what, is, what is that doing for you? It's an ego thing as well, right? You want to hit a specific time. It's a goal. It's, it's something you're striving for. And that's okay too. But then it, it all has to work backwards from there because nine times out of 10, if you didn't sign up for that marathon and you had no outcome, you're not going to get out of bed at five in the morning. So it doesn't have to be, in, for the listeners as well, like you don't have to be running across deserts. You don't have to be running marathons or any of these things. But you do need to have an end goal that has steps. The end goal needs to be achievable by the person that you're not today. Because if you could do it today... That's a great way of looking at it. Yeah, if you could do it today, then there's no steps that you need to go through that are going to better you in order to get to that goal. So that goal needs to be achievable by the version of you that you need to go through these steps to get there. Um, so going back to your marathon point, you couldn't run that marathon at that time at the, and finish in the, t- in the, in the, the speed that you want, right? Just finish that in, that in that time. So you have to, you know you've got to get up and do that 30K. There's no chance of, of reaching the, those goals. How um, do you go about goal setting? Because like, the thing is, is that, for, again, for the listeners out there, we're talking very physically. Like we're talking a lot yeah. about uh, about endurance sports or about running or marathons, etc. Obviously, this could apply to uh, business. It could apply to relationship. It could apply to, to any aspect of our life. It could 100%. be to the amount of sleep that you get every night. Yeah. Um, how do you go about goal setting? And in, in, it might be a very broad question, but in mm. life in general, just not specifically to sport. Um, so I break it down in, in a number of different ways. I look at look at personal goals, I look at professional goals, and then I look at fitness goals. That's kind of how I split it out into those three. So fitness goals is like, you know, as you said, okay, well, what's the big race I want to do this year? Um, what's that adding up to? Am I getting um, cha- championship points because I want to... Um, I want to qualify for a race next year, which is something I'm looking to do with the uh, Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc, which is kind of like the World Cup of trail running. Um, so I'm doing certain races to achieve certain points so that I can uh, potentially get qualification for something like that. So let's say from a fitness side, that's fairly clear cut, right? Um, when we look from a business perspective, there's a couple of different things with the business. So a business perspective, it's straight up goal setting for the business. You know, what revenue targets do you want? Um, uh, the basic financials of, of, of business planning uh, I won't go too much into that space, but what is the other area of business planning? What do we want to be known for? Um, what do we want our employer brand to be? Um, what do we want to do for the culture of the business? How are we giving back to society? Those are the sort of questions that, that need to be planned out as well, not just the financial metrics of the business. So then you start to work, you start to look a lot more inwards in terms of, you know, who are we as a business and, and why would somebody want to work in this company? You know, what are we giving back to those people? What's the environment that we're creating there, which is something that, that, mm. that you'll be aware of that we spend a lot of time um, and effort trying to cultivate. Um, and you see it's become, a, your, your identity stands out a lot compared to your competitors, I find. I'd like to think so. It's, you know, we, you know we've put time, effort, money, and, and, uh, and you know, a lot of ourselves into, into doing that because from day one, we've said, you know, we want to create the environment that we would want to be part of. Like, I want to come to work, high five people, have a chat. Mm. Um, sit, sit and have a coffee and, and get some cool work done. I mean, who, who wouldn't want to do that? So we've been from when it was myself on a desk to two people to five people to you know, now we're just shy of 60. So it's it's creating that sort of environment that, but then scaling it up. But also, again, it's going back to you, you set those plans early on and you just keep doubling down on them and just keep revisiting them. So that would be in the business space and then the personal space. I, I, I look at, okay, well, my family, for example, what do I want to do for my family this year? Um, last year I was lucky enough to be able to bring everybody together for Christmas and 
know, hired a house in Edinburgh and got all the family to come in from different parts of the country and, and we all had an amazing Christmas together. And that was pre-planned because I was like, okay, I do a, a few days here and I see my mum and dad for a couple of days there and there's, there's never real you know, proper family time and everyone's kind of all over the place. So you know, that was a conscious decision off the back of goal setting earlier in the year to say, what can I do to bring everybody together to create the environment which causes the memories that we look back on in 10 years. Um, so it's going through those. Like, my parents are getting older. All of our parents are getting older, right? So like, what can you do now where you think, right, okay, within the next 12 months, even if it's in 12 months, if it's something I've got to save up for, like, what can I do to create the opportunity to, 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 to build those memories? Because it doesn't just happen anymore. We're all too busy. Um, so, so yeah, so that would be the personal side, the, the business side, and then also the, the fitness side. Um, they're all interlinked. Obviously, as we talk about like mindset, you get a lot from being with your family. Um, you get, I get a lot from the fitness side of it. And then that allows me to deliver on the business side. And yeah, I, I've, I've often done that as well. Like I, I keep splitting up my goals mm. um, to make sure that you, you find that balance in your life as well, that you're not focusing too much on one thing, mm. uh, not putting all your eggs in one basket um, as well. Um, so yeah, 100%, I, I, I completely agree with that. Balance is an interesting one because it's with those three things that that is a way of sort of balancing out the sort of I'd say the certainly the macro perspective in terms of making sure you're hitting all the major goals, but also at the same time a lot of those are achieved by being very very focused and imbalanced in a shorter perspective. So, for example, when I'm building up to let's say one of the big races. A lot of other things are pushed aside. I spend a little bit less time at work because I'm training for the hours, don't do much socializing, and everything's super, super focused until I achieve that goal. Right, when I've achieved that goal, like I did in, in November, that was the longest thing I'd ever done. I was like, right, now I've, that's out the way. Let's focus on a few other things. Let's reconnect with some friends I haven't seen in a long time. Let's you know, see the family. Um, let's get back to work and start you know, putting the hours in a, bit, a little bit more. So it's over, let's say, a 12-month period, you do balance everything. But I feel that you're only going to be able to achieve in each of those areas if you actually become imbalanced and focused for a period of time. If you're trying to do everything at the same time, you don't end up being, let's say, particularly great at any of them because you're trying to do so much in so many places and you do, that's just not possible. So you're working kind of time blocks where you yes. tend to spend a more specific time on on activity A and then B and exactly. C separately. Exactly. And some people do it differently, especially from the fitness space. Some people just stay at that level of, let's say, fitness and competitive ability all year round. I don't do that. Um, but then most of those people don't have the, um, let's say, the the time constraints of, of running a business in the, in the way that I do. So uh, I just try and break it up and just like go all in in certain areas. I mean, you know, we all know whether you know, you're working in a corporate environment or with a um, if those that are listening might be running a business, whatever it might be, you know if you're aware enough that like if I go all in right now, the output of this is going to be something special. Like you, you, there's just whatever's going on, like at work, there's a big project, you're going to, whatever it is that, that you guys do, if you think that like, right, well, the next six weeks, if I just push everything else and I really focus on this, this could actually push me forward by like three years. Like we're, we're all aware of those times. So, but if you're then trying to balance everything else and do all these other things, you might miss that opportunity. And those opportunities don't come around all the time. So you need to identify at what point do you go all in on each of these different areas. And if you get that right, all of a sudden, over a, certainly over a three to five year period, you end up being way ahead. Yeah, I, 
100% know what you're talking about because I think I have a lot of people within my circle and even outside the circle who would focus on a lot of different things. Mm. And I think to your point where you where you might have a corporate job, outside of that, what are you doing? And outside of that, how can you really double down on the one thing that you really want to do mm. instead of spreading yourself too thin, focusing on five, six things, yeah. but they're not really getting anywhere with that. Yeah. It's like, well, you know, what's going to change your life over the next five years? Focus on that. Uh, it's a simple thing for me to say, and it's a simplistic idea. It's not easy to do. It's a simple idea, but it's not easy to do. But if you can do that, those are the sort of things that you start to see real progress um, more than if you were just trying to balance everything, like you said, and, and just try and tasting everything. And I think you also, I think that's also a good way to build one expertise, but passion as well. Mm. Um, I can't remember who I was listening to recently, but he said, in order to find your passion or to really find your why or your purpose, you you unfortunately do have to spend an incredible amount of time on that specific subject. Yeah. And you do have to put a lot of hard work behind it. And that's when you get sort of your inner peace. You get it through struggle and you get it through hard work. It's not just going to fall yeah. into your lap. Um, what do you feel about that? And, and in terms of people kind of chasing their why and chasing their purpose, like what kind of advice do you have for them? I think it's one of the things, I mean, so what you're saying is that people have to put a lot of time and effort into finding out what their passion is? Um, so I think that, personally, I think that you should try a lot of different things. Mm. Um, that's not to say that you should spend a significant amount of time on a lot of things. Yeah. But I think that you should be curious. Um, yeah. I think it's very easy for you to kind of get stuck in a routine where you do your nine to five and then you go home and you and you chill for the rest of the evening or you wake up right before work and then yeah. roll out of bed and go to the office. Yeah. Um, and then it becomes very easy to complain about, you know, yeah. I don't like my job, I don't like this, I don't like that. Yeah. So I think that, you know, outside of that nine to five, if, if that's kind of where you're at, to try as many things as possible. But yeah. once you find, once something really sparks your interest, like for me with a podcast, for instance, like it's, mm. it sparked my interest and now I'm obsessed with it mm. in terms of preparing for it, re researching you mm. and preparing these questions and rehearsing and practicing and all these mm. kind of things because I feel like it's something that I'm super passionate about and can add a lot of value. Yeah. And that's why I'm doubling down on this yeah. now. Yeah. Um, so I think I've, I've tried quite a few different things. But out of the 20 things I've tried this year, this is something that stood out. Yeah. And I'm going to give it my all. Amazing. Look, you're right. If somebody's, if somebody's searching for a passion and they, you know, they listen to podcasts like this and, and others that, that might be um, along similar lines around, you know, achieving and, and, and doubling down and, and someone sat at home thinking, well, I don't want it, I don't know what it is that I should be doubling down on because I haven't kind of found that yet. So... If that's the case, then what you're saying is 100% correct. You need to try things because otherwise, how are you ever going to know? Um, it's understanding, you know, what would you do? What would you do if money was no issue? Mm. You know, it's answering questions like that that you know, really get people thinking like, okay, you're going to wake up tomorrow. You've got a week to live. What are you going to go and do outside of the obvious of spend time with family and this? But like, if you just wanted to spend some time on your own, like what, what would you do? Like where, where, what lights your fire? Where, like what ignites you? Like, um, 
if people start to answer those questions for themselves and they can start to find something, I mean, does that marry up with making money, for example, you know, because, you know, we all need to survive. So, you know, does it, can you align your passion with, with something that can, you can turn into an income and a career off the back of that? Um, if you can, then you're lucky and you're certainly lucky if you're good at it. So if you're good at it, <laughs> you can make money from it so you can build a career um, and you're passionate about it, then, then you're in a good space. Um, but it takes time to find those things. Um, and they, you might find them the most bizarre. You might be sat in a tent in a desert in the Sahara having a conversation with someone you've never met before. And they might tell you about something. You're like, that sounds super cool. And when I get home, I'm going to check that out. And then that might end up being the, your thing. So it, it's just about getting yourself out there and experiencing the most that you possibly can out of life. And something will pop at some point if you try enough different things. Did, did, did at any point in your life kind of a switch go off where there was a very specific moment where you remember, okay, this is it. Like, this is what I want to do. I, I'd say that in, there's a few different areas with, 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 um, with the business. I think everybody going into business to start with has sort of certain insecurities around, you, you know, you're going into a space where everyone always seems to be like, they've been there forever and you're like the you know, new kid on the block type of thing. So once you get over that, which takes a little bit of time, and let's say the first year or two, you're doing something, and you start to think, well, actually, I'm, you know, I'm quite good at this, or like people are telling me that I'm adding value here, or you know, whatever that might be. Um, once you kind of get over those, the kind of like the first butterflies of doing something that that's out of outside of your comfort zone, and you start to focus, and it starts to work, and you start to feel like you are actually adding something to the community in one way or another, um, that can be that can almost be like a drug. Because you just start to think that I want to do more of this. Like what you just said in, in a few words there about podcasting. You're like, I'm really enjoying this and I feel like I can really, really add value and I want to double down on it. And you, you just, you start to run with it. And if you, if it's something you're, as soon as you start to realize that it's not a nine to five, it's something you're doing in your own time. It's something you want to wake up and do on the weekends. Like, like I love sitting in a coffee shop for seven hours on a Friday and sitting there with my laptop with my headphones on and just working because I feel like I, I feel like no one's making me do that. I, I, I want to do it because I want to create this best possible scenario for the people that choose to work in the business. Um, so I, I sit there and think about everything from client side of stuff, but try and spend on the weekends more thinking about the business itself and what can I do for the team? How do we build Stepping a better environment? It. Yeah, still kind of working on the business rather than in it. Um, and that's something that fortunately you get a bit more time to do as, as, as it gets a little bit bigger because you you have that time to be right. I need to be more strategic here. Where are we going over the next three to five years? What needs to happen now? Go back to the goal setting conversation, making sure you map that out so it can really sort of write, what do I need to do in the month of March? And how does that map through to my one year, two year, three year plan? Um, and then taking opportunities as they come because that happens all the time. Opportunity comes up and then you sit and you think and you're like, well, should we do that? Shouldn't we do that? Should we invest there? Should we open an office in that country? Um, should we do these things? And then then things start to get more and more interesting. And when you realize that you're just doing that for fun and that's actually your fun, then you realize you found what you want to be doing. How do you, so we're talking about comfort zone now, mm. stepping out of that. Yeah. For, for listeners who struggle to step out of their comfort zone, mm. who are kind of afraid or hesitant to either try something new or try something that, um, you know, starting a new business or... Yeah trying endurance running or whatever it is, mm. what's the first step they can take in order to kind of get their foot in the door? I think it's just, it comes down to small steps. Everybody, everyone looks at the end game, right? They look at the massive picture. They, and there's no way of, of achieving that. Like, you know, if 
related to the fitness side of things, like how, how does someone run 250 kilometers? You don't. You don't run 250 kilometers. You run 30 kilometers today. Tomorrow you might run 40 kilometers. The day after you might run 30 kilometers. But that's all you, that's all you focus on. You only focus on what you've got to do that day. And then when it adds up, you're like, shit, I've just run 250K. If you don't start out on the start line and work out how you're going to do it, because A, you wouldn't know how to figure that out. And in, in business, it's even, even more so. People think, well, okay, XYZ person's got the company that I kind of want to be and like they're in the space. Because if, you, if you're going into business, like you, you know a bit about your market, I'd assume. So, okay, who are the main players? And you look at them up there and you think, I'm, I'm never going to get there. But they didn't think they were going to get there when they started either. They just started hustling. They just started doing a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And all of a sudden, they, you know, they look back and they're like, wow, I've done a year of this and I've actually done a few pretty cool things and let's try and build on that. And then all of a sudden, you get the ball rolling and you're two, three, four, five years in. And then you're starting to catch up with that person that you were looking at four or five years ago. And you start to think, ah, oh, this is how it works. It's just taking that first step and, it's, and it can just be a small step. It can start whatever, you know, incubating something and, and just engaging with friends and family and, and just just start small uh, and, I think, and build and it. And I think based on starting small, celebrating small successes is also a big it's, thing. It's, it's super important. It, it's, it goes back to the mindset of a, a number of things. It's making sure that goal is strong. It's making sure the why you're doing that is strong. Um, it's understanding mindset around like how difficult things are going to be and just making sure that you're cool with that and you've come to peace with like, I'm choosing to go on a path that is a little bit different to, let's say, my peers or my friends, and I'm going to have to give up certain things. So if people are starting a business when they're you know, a little bit younger, then oh, you're going to have to give up social. You're going to have to. You're not going to be at every party. You're not going to be, let's say, you know, the you know the the popular kid the whole time because you're not going to be in the middle of everything, and you're not going to get all the jokes when you go out and catch up with your friends and and all these things. You're going to lock yourself in a bedroom, and you're going to miss out on a whole bunch of stuff, and none of it's going to make sense for a while. Because you're not getting anything back. Sacrifice. You're just investing, 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 sacrificing. You're, when you're younger, it's generally you're, in, you're sacrificing time, right? Because that's what you generally have a lot of because you don't necessarily have much money at that point. So it's, you're investing all of that in and you're seeing all of your friends doing these cool things and going on holidays and you're like, I really hope this pays off. Um, you know, and, and hopefully it does. And then you look back and you're like, that's how I'm at this point now. You look back and you're like, that's how this works because you have to put that sacrifice in first before you before you get those end results but that's tough how have you kept that self belief over um, the years cuz obviously it, it trickles down to uh, the different parts of your life but i think i'm specifically interested in in the business element of things where you've been working on this business for such a long time mm -hmm. and you've grown it to something probably bigger than you might have imagined yeah um, i mean i i didn't start out thinking that there would be a company of yeah, uh, sixty odd people. So, how have you kept that self belief over the years? Um, I, I think just the, for me, the the, the motivation has changed in a way. Um, I wanted to work for myself in the beginning, so I just wanted to, I wanted to create a life uh, where I wasn't beholden to other people. I was making my own decisions, and if I fall on my own sword, then then so be it. And that's kind of it. Started off there, and then it then it really started to change when people started to work within the company, and then I was like, wow. This person's chosen to work for me. Uh, I'm now I'm very beholden to this person. Now I need to make sure that I don't make mistakes because this person's chosen to put a portion of their career in my hands and believe in me. So when um, when that started to scale up and like more and more senior people, and you know, you start thinking like 
these are people with legit careers, like proper career people that are choosing to come and and obviously it's a it's a it's a belief in the business, but then I'm the one interviewing. It's a belief in in me, and I take that very, very seriously. So if someone's decided to say, right, well, I'm choosing to leave my job and come and work for you, um, that's something that I, as I said, that keeps me awake. That's the sort of thing that makes me work every weekend um, because I don't want to let them down. Uh, you can be easy on yourself, and this goes back to a running thing as well. If it's just you and nobody else knows that you're going to go and do this run, no one's going to know. At 5 a.m. when this alarm goes off, you're going to be weak on yourself because you're going to be like, oh, it's just me. Like, oh, it's fine. I'll make it up tomorrow. Or uh, you can let yourself, you, you, people are generally weak when it comes to themselves. But when it comes to other people and they don't want to let other people down, then that really starts to change. And that's why the basics of having a fitness partner, someone you go running with, like you're not going to let someone be at track at 5.30 in the morning and you're not going to rock up because you didn't feel like getting out of bed. You're going to get out of bed, right? Because you don't want to let that guy down then it works. Same thing with business. I don't want to let these guys down. So as it starts to get bigger and we scale, like all I'm thinking about is how can I future-proof the business? How can I de-risk the business? Where's the risk in the company at the moment? Do we have one person that we're too reliant on? Do we have X or Y or Z? Do we have the right systems in place? So really getting into that headspace of being like, right, my entire job is yes to be like super positive, super like go, go, go. Like let's 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 make our... um our two to five year plans. Let's get everybody super pumped and going in a direction. And then when that course is plotted, it's making sure that I'm from the back, I'm seeing where some of the risks are and just trying to make sure that everything stays on track, that we keep you know, hitting the numbers we want to hit, you know, building people up from a personal and a professional perspective. It's something we really focus on in the agency because everyone gives so much of their time you work in agency life, you know what it's like. Sometimes you're busting out 12, 13 hour days. You dedicated so much to your, to your, of your time to the company that you work for in agency space. We take it very, very seriously that we can't just be like, this is a professional issue that we'll deal with for you and your personal problems are your personal problems. We look at it like we're asking you as a human to come and work here. And as a business, we need to look after you as a human. And Sometimes you might have a breakup. That's going to affect your work. That's obvious. We can't say leave your personal problems at home, you've got a job to do. It's not how we operate. So all of that kind of comes together, that kind of the humanistic approach to how we build team culture. And then from my perspective, when I step out of it, let's say on a weekend that I'm looking at it, I'm like, I need to, like, it's my responsibility to make sure that this keeps going where it's going. So that's how I stay motivated. Okay. And... I think there's a lot of, I think you've already answered this question too, too quite an extent but I think I've grown up as an athlete yeah and a lot of the traits and qualities that um, I gathered from being an athlete have kind of translated into one um, my strengths yeah um, and and two how I deal with people or how I am in business for yourself when it comes to uh, endurance racing mm sport in general. Yeah. What are the main qualities from your side that I've translated into business? How you run your business? Sure. I think look, ownership, accountability, dedication, those are key things that, that I think... Teamwork. Yeah. Um, teamwork for sure. But if we're talking about... If we're talking about specifics around you or myself or the individual that's listening to this now, if we're talking to people as, as individuals, it's 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 got to be around ownership is the, is one of the biggest things again yeah. it's something we push hard in the in the culture of the business it's it's taking ownership of 
of all outcomes. So in, let's say, in a race, there's, you, you, it's completely on you. Like whatever happens, it's your responsibility. You're accountable. Yeah, like if, you know, if you're feeling a bit sick or things are not going so well that day, like you can't just put your hand up and be like, I'm not having a good day, I'm, I'm done here. Like you can't have that mentality. You've got to own the fact that you've chosen to be in this race, you've chosen to be here, you're going to finish this unless your legs fall off. Tell like, all your just, friends about it. Yeah, you, exactly. You know, you, like you're, you're in it. So it's, it's, it's taking that, that, that ownership. Dedication is an obvious one. You, know, you need to dedicate yourself to training. You need to dedicate yourself to your craft in, at work and, and get better. Um, so training in both areas is, is obviously critically important, especially in the day and age that we are now. We're, you know, we're a digital agency, so it's all about training because it's just 24-7. The platforms change every day. Um, so we need to be on top of those. So it's ownership around that and, and just it, it's, it's having the, a very similar mindset between the two of mm -hmm. saying like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set those goals. I'm going to be mentally resilient. I'm going to own the entire outcome, no matter what happens, what the variable is. If something happens and I'm up at two hours later than I should have been in bed, am I still going to do my 5 a.m. run? Yes, I'm still going to do my 5 a.m. run because I'm owning the fact that there are going to be variables, but the outcome, I'm owning it. So I have to deal with everything else and still deliver, still achieve. You take that into the workspace, You at any one point, somebody can walk into the office and it could be like a brick to the head. They might say, this has just happened. We need to deal with it. But there's something else that you've got to deal with. You can't just you can't just pick and choose your battles. If, you, if you've chosen that that you're going to deliver on X and, and Y happens, that you need to make sure you're still delivering on X. Um, so it's it's having that mentality to just to to go with the flow, but also make sure that you are delivering in terms of what you've committed to yourself and owning that outcome. So now I want to switch into a segment that we call asking for a friend. Cool. Um, the thought behind this is that we, there's a lot of questions that, you know, the audience might have that you used to have when you were sitting in class yeah, yeah. in school and yeah. then you were kind of afraid to ask. Yeah. And so we kind of open this up to everyone and, and uh, allow it to, uh, to come out in the conversation. Okay. Uh, the first one is when it comes to facing an illness, yeah. when it came for you to facing cancer, mm. What was your initial reaction and what was your mindset then going forward? Okay. Um, first part of it was complete denial. Can't be me. Wow. Yeah. So you just think to, you think to yourself that the, the, when someone starts, when someone set, utters the words to you, survival rate, and you're like, oh, hold on a second, buddy. What are you talking about? Um, and they say to you that, there's X survival rate based on whatever the specifics are of, the, of whatever illness that somebody might be facing. Um, that obviously knocks you. And I think everybody goes into a denial phase at one point, like it, that it can't be them, it can't be happening, it can't be me, all of these things. So for me, I was very fortunate in terms of, you know, I had the operation fairly quickly. I didn't have to go through any chemo or any, any, any of that side of things. Now, because of that, it fed into that element of denial that I kind of compartmentalized it, put it over there, and I left it there. I was like, didn't happen. Because I just couldn't process it. I was like, where could that have gone? I didn't let my mind go down the direction of what if I caught it later? What if I'd ended up going to chemo? Look, we're all adults here. I mean, how, many time, how, how many people, all of us know 
it's our friend's parents or it's our uncle or it's an auntie or it's a close one or it's a sibling, whatever it might be. A lot of people are touched by cancer these days. It's, it's no, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, so at that point, I didn't even let my mind go down the fact, go down the route of what if it had gone in a different direction? What, how would that have affected my life? Am I happy with where I am with my life? What's my legacy? Does anybody know that I was even here? You know, all of these things start to go through your mind. So I tried to block a lot of that out. And, and, I, and as, as I said, I compartmentalized that a bit. And then I came back to it a few years later when I think I was a bit more emotionally mature to be able to actually be perfectly cool with sitting with a coffee and Do actually going, going through it and not dealing with it like it was a, a problem because it wasn't, it wasn't causing any behavior or anything like that. It wasn't something that I, you know, something I needed to deal with. It was just closure. Yes, and it just interested me a, a little bit later on when I could mentally sort of just go through it and think, okay, okay, this happened. A lot has changed, let's say, over the few years since that happened to where like, when I was having this conversation with myself and I'm you know, having this coffee and I'm thinking like, okay, well, what, what can I take out of that? How can I spin that into a positive in my own head in order for the rest of my life? Okay, so one of the things you start to think about is legacy, right? So what I mean by that, not in an arrogant way, but I think everybody wants to feel that they were part of humanity and, and had a positive impact on humanity. Like you want the world to be a better place because you were here, right? I think we can all agree with that. So it's about sort of then thinking why is the world a more positive place? Why is it a better place? Because I was like, what have I done now? And if you're not particularly happy with that answer, cool. So what's next? Then you start setting goals. What can I do today? And even if it's in a small way, and then maybe I have the opportunity to scale that up if things go well. But what, what, what path am I going to go down so that the world is a slightly better place than when I arrived? Because who is it? Was it Steve Jobs or... Yes, it was Steve Jobs that said, what was the, um, uh, and I'll completely butcher this, but along the lines of um, the moment you realize that the world is made up, uh, everything around you is made by people that are no smarter than you and everything changes. And you're right, like everything that we, that we consider as life, like what, the things that we're looking at now, right? Uh, tech, uh, every, everything, construction, everything, whatever your space is, it's just created by other people. That not necessarily particularly smarter than you. In some areas, okay, we're looking at a, at a Mac. I couldn't create one of those, but you, you you see where I'm going from. It's just other people that were that then got together with other people and created good teams, and they learned things and they did things. So why not you? So why can't you mold and create and change something? Why can't you create this amazing app, killer app idea? Now we're in the space from when he said it to where we are now. It's even more apparent to everybody because we all have such power in our mobile phones, and we can get an app developed in a few months. And all of a sudden, you've got Uber, and you're changing the face yeah. of transport across the whole planet. You know, so because because of that, and it's that's so apparent to all of us now. What, what impact are you having on the world? So those are the sort of questions that I started to ask myself, and that's how I kind of processed things. Um, it also made me squeeze more out of life. I want to go and run across an extremely deserted part of the Sahara Desert because who the hell gets to do that? Who the hell gets to stand on top of a mountain? when you know that you're at least 12 hours driving from civilization in any direction and you feel like you're on the moon. You don't get to do that unless you choose to put yourself there. So if you want to try and squeeze more out of life and whatever that space might be, like climbing a mountain, running a desert, uh, visiting a, a random place that you pick off a map, whatever it is, you have the opportunity to do it just by deciding to do it. So something like 
starting to process in my mind the whole cancer story and where that might have gone, then got me thinking from a positive perspective, like, well, now I have a real opportunity to do pretty much whatever I want if I decide that I want to do that and I'm willing to sacrifice in order to get it. So that, that was kind of the positive outcome from mm. that. So I would encourage anybody that's going through any of these issues that, look, I'm talking about the outcome afterwards. I can't help with how to process things whilst you're going through it because that, that was just, it was a different journey for me. But just know that once you get through something, whatever it is you might be dealing with, you have an opportunity to do whatever you want in life if you're willing to sacrifice Yeah, it. embrace it. Yeah. The second question is, which daily habit that you have adds the most value to where you're trying to go? It's an interesting one because I think there's... Um... Or habits. Hmm. I'm really trying to just get around what are you doing on a daily basis um, that really adds value to one, where you're trying to go, but also to who you are or to the people around you or, yeah. or whatever it might be. What is kind of the one thing that you can't go without for one day? Well, I think on a basic level, it's, it's, it's um, the fitness side of things. Mm. And that, that might literally just be from going on a long run to doing 15 minutes of stretching. It could, it could be anything. But having some sort of movement, some sort of mental space, um, I try and find some space within my day, wherever that might be, to really just clear my head. Because um, there's a there's a lot going on with with a few different a few different areas of life, um, so having that sort of mental clarity, uh, but also from a let's say I'd say a slightly subconscious level, it isn't necessarily something that I specifically ask myself every single day, but it's something that I think about in one way or another every single day. Is like how how can we create? And I'm going down the business route again here. Like how can we do better for these people? Um, the people that choose to, to to work in the business, so that that's the thing that that I, I I really do focus on relentlessly. Of how can we create asking that question? Yeah, just asking that question and just what, how does that, how is this answer different to the answer last week? Because we achieved that thing. Okay, cool. Now what's next? What 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 can we do next? And it's a constant journey, and um, to try and achieve what we want to achieve. Mm. So, so yeah, just constantly questioning. So I, I'd say that, and that's probably it's an easier way to summarize it. It's 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 constantly questioning along the path that you're trying to go. Like, could I do more in this space, or could I do more in that space? What it, that obviously aligns with your goals, right? So it's going back from once you've worked out what those goals are. It's just constantly asking yourself a question: Could I do better? Could I do more? Um, am I giving enough? Am I working hard enough? Just so having that self-talk, basically. Yeah, yeah. and and. Once you get yourself into that headspace, everyone's their own worst critic, right? So once you get your head into that space and, and you just keep pushing yourself and pushing yourself and then that becomes inbuilt, then that becomes very, very powerful. Mm -hmm. That's what gets you up in the morning. That's what gets you working in the, in the weekends and, and putting the work in. Last question. Hmm. What is the biggest aha moment or biggest lesson that you've learned in the last year or two? This could be in anything at all. In the last year or two, I'd, I'd say... I had a big breakthrough with the um, that UTMB race I told you about, the 137K. Uh, I'd never even thought of running through two days, two sunsets, two sunrises through the following day, like that That whole concept. Like we were so far off on the planning that I thought we were going to finish in around about 30 hours. It took me 42. Oh my God. Yeah, and and the, the, the course was savage. I mean, we went up um, after 120 kilometers in, the course went vertical and we did 1.2 kilometers straight up over a three kilometer stretch. So 
that I did in the middle of the night. It was about eight degrees. Backpack on, and I'm scrambling. Literally, there's like two hands on the rock, and on the feet, like scrambling up the rock face. And like we were walking around ledges where there was a sheer drop of 800 meters. Like it was, it was savage. And to go through that, and come out the other side. It, it, it was dawn when I got to the top of that that rock face, and um, we had about. Uh, I was, on my, I was on my own for the whole race. I don't even know why I'm saying, I'm saying we. There was friends of mine in the race, but I, it was it was alone. So there was hallucinations. There was all sorts of crazy shit going on. And um, I was coming down, uh, probably had about 15 kilometers to go in the body, like no other time. And I've been doing sport for a long time. And no other time have I felt everything stopping now. Like my muscles are stopping. My knees are locking up. My body's going into full cramps. My hands are going inside. My my fingers are going inside my hands. Like I was dehydrated. I was delirious, completely, completely losing it. Um, and it was the mind. It was the, it was a mindset. The the aha moment was was at that point. I'd said to myself, and at, at, at no point prior to that had I been. And I had such a conviction that there's nothing stopping me from finishing this race. Like and literally, unless. I'm on the floor and there's a helicopter taking me out of here. So like I, I was actually out loud because you just you know, completely lost the plot at that point. Out loud, I was like talking to myself and I was like, I, my knee was locking up to the extent where I was shuffling and had to keep my legs straight and I was in all sorts of a mess. And um, I just said to myself, I was like, there's absolutely no way you're stopping. So like, I'm not listening to you. Like, there's no way we're, fin- we're not finishing this race. And we, I'm talking to myself. Um and uh, I had about 15k to go and just kept pushing and pushing and pushing that last bit when it was just, it was, it was the removal of the ability to stop. I said, there's, there's just, there isn't a, an A and a B here. There's an A and that's it. There is absolutely no other option. This is going to happen. And it was, it's bizarre. Like I, I went through the stage of my, um, my knee, I could barely move. 15 minutes later, I was jogging again. And it was like, it was almost like my body had tried to make me stop because I hadn't listened to it. The body's smart. It's like, this is happening anyway. We should go with this. I know that sounds ridiculous, but having read a few other books on this space, this has actually come up a few times. Even Marcus will tell you something similar in the, uh, uh, he did the 30 marathons in 30 days. And very early on, he injured his, I think it was his hamstring. And he was like, at any other time, he wouldn't even run the next day. He's like, I'm, I'm wrecked here and I've got 20 marathons to run over the next 20 days, something crazy like that. And he said like within two days, it was gone and there was never an issue again. And it was at the extent where he wouldn't have gone training the next day. But yet he ran a marathon the next day and the next day and the next day. And the body just adapted because the body listens to the mind. Mindset. The mind is so, it's so powerful and I don't think any of us have really understood the extent to how much the mind actually controls the body and how much the body does listen to the mind. And that then says, okay, well, where are the limits of human endurance? Because if people like us can experience just small bits of it, like the stories I've just said. And they seem like some miracles. Yeah, and it did. I know it sounds a bizarre story, and when I say it, it sounds bizarre, but like I was there and what I felt, and I was like, like I would have I sent myself to hospital. I was in so much pain. I'm talking like a 10 out of 10. Like I've had operations before. Like this was... I was like, I was, I was nauseous. I was like mock charging my throat because mm. I was like, I'm, th- I'm going to throw up because of how painful my knee is. And 10 minutes later, I was jogging and it was gone. And you just think, how does that happen? 
Oh my god. Yeah. So that was um that was probably the biggest aha moment I've had. That's a good of one. Just saying like, well, the mind's a lot more powerful than you think it is. Mm. Tom, I want to thank you for Thanks, being our guest on the first episode. <laughs> it was a super incredible conversation. I think you've added a lot of value with uh, with your stories and your lessons and essentially your life. Um, thank you. So thank you so much for being here. And um, and yeah, thanks. Cool. Well, look, thank you very much for the invite. And um, look, I wish you all the best with with all of the other episodes and looking forward to seeing this podcast go from strength to strength. I appreciate it. Cool, man. Thank you. Cheers. So at the end of every episode, we want to give you some key takeaways and some steps that you can take today to become the best version of yourself. So based on our episode with Tom today, here are five things to consider. Number one, write down your goals and when you pursue them, don't complain. You've taken that step to be in a difficult environment and outside of your comfort zone. So now it's time to face the challenge head on. Get your mind right and control what you can and go. Number two is a reminder. You belong where you think you belong. Even if you feel like you're out of your depth, you've put in the work to be where you are and you deserve to be among the greats. Number three, understand what is a real problem and what is a perceived problem. Are the issues you're facing going to stop you from achieving your goals or are they just obstacles or challenges that can be solved? Analyze the difference and make decisions based on that. And number four is when Tom told us how to stay committed. One, you understand why you're doing this. Why are you choosing to go after this goal? Number two, you commit to others, your coach, your colleagues, your friends. You don't want to let them down and let that be your motivation. Number three, put your goal out to the world. You've talked the talk, now it's time to walk the walk. And finally, goal setting. What goal is going to change you for the better? How can you focus on that? Set a goal today that scares you and know that you'll only be able to achieve it through extreme focus, dedication, and sacrifice. Map out what you need to do this month that contributes to achieving that goal. Take full ownership and be completely accountable. Go out there and make yourself proud. Thank you so much for listening to this week's Forever Student episode. This show is for you, me, and all of us to learn and grow from. If you enjoyed this, please rate the podcast, comment and share with anyone that you believe would benefit from listening to this. I'd love to hear from you, so feel free to reach out to me at Forever Student Show across all social media platforms, or you can drop us an email to foreverstudent at dukanmedia.com. My name is Stefan Miller, and this podcast is brought to you by Dukan Media. Thank you all and have a great week.